Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is the right to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is our NFC North offseason fantasy preview. We'll be talking everything to do with the NFC North. I've got my dude, Sean Kerner, here with me. Sean, what's going on? What's up? Uh, congrats on the NBA season being over, so now you can uh, you know focus fully on NFL now with me. I know. I, I, I'm excited. I've been uh, kind of all up in my ranking spreadsheet all week trying to get get all these undrafted free agents that I'm going to end up deleting again um, yeah. on my spreadsheet. But I like to have the <laughs> rosters like 100 percent accurate yeah. um, just just to kind of go through the go, go through camp. But uh, I've been watching I've been watching a lot of hockey lately, too. So I oh, might, you bless, might you might lose me for another extra week. Oh, my God. After, <laughs> after I went to that Kings Oiler, uh, Oilers game. Uh, and I bet on like the under in game under it was like 10 and a half, something crazy. And they scored a goal with like five seconds left. I refuse to bet on hockey ever again. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I feel like my winning percentage on a live like events that I go to live is so much lower because True. most of those bets are made <laughs> drunkenly. <laughs> you're, you're forcing the issue like we yeah. did with the Sparks game. That was like the only bet I didn't put in the app. And the only bet that lost that night, yeah, but good, yeah, that good, was brutal. Good thing we didn't. Yeah. That under. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to jump right into this, uh, this NFC North. We'll talk player by player. Um, but before we do that, uh, just a note to you guys out there. First of all, thank you for listening. Uh, second of all, uh, we have the contest winner to announce. And uh, just a reminder to rate and review the podcast because each week, we'll be calling out our favorite five-star review right here on the show. Uh, and every reviewer we call out gets a free Action Network Pro subscription for one whole year. So be sure to leave those awesome Apple Podcast reviews uh, and keep listening to hear us shout you out. This week's winner is Clint Pardue. Thank you, Clint, for the uh, kind words in the review. 
And uh, you can hit up podcast at actionnetwork.com to claim your free year of an Action Network Pro subscription. That's podcast at actionnetwork.com for Clint Pardue. And congrats. Thank you. All right. Let's get into the Green Bay Packers to start off. Sean, I feel like this might be the year we see we see a non-MVP year from Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. Like I don't want to, I don't want to say it and then look stupid, but I just feel like it's going to be so difficult for him to replicate what he's done over the past couple of years with, with LaFleur without Devontae Adams. Yeah, I like how you leave a little bit of wiggle room there. Uh, <laughs> Non-MVP for sure. Will he still be really good? Yes. <laughs> but non-MVP, I can definitely get behind that. And when, you know, when it comes to fantasy, his ADP is QB 10 right now. And that does seem like people are just kind of paying for his name, right? I mean, we all know he's a first Bell Hall of Famer. He'll make do with what he has this year, but he's going to be without his top dog and Devontae Adams. So I, I, I don't know how you would take him in the top 10 right now. Like he still has a super high floor. Like he's not going to finish outside of the top 20 if he stays healthy all year, but he just doesn't have the ceiling to take him in the top 10. You know, he doesn't have the same rushing upside uh, that he did earlier in his career. And, you know, a bunch of guys have rushing upside now. So I just don't get why you would take him inside the top 10 right now. Um, if you're in a one QB league, you can probably get similar value just by streaming the waiver wire if you do it correctly. So um, I'm out on him. He'll still be really good. But like you said, it probably won't be like MVP good. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, we could see a return to the the years that kind of got some people, yeah. me included, uh, to prematurely uh-huh. kind of write him off. You know, he was kind of finishing in that QB 9 to QB 14 range um, before Matt LaFleur got there. But now, yes, LaFleur is still there, but you got Hackett, uh, his offensive coordinator in Denver. And then you got Devontae Adams, his go-to wide receiver in Vegas. So. Those are two very important components of a quarterback success that are no longer here in Green Bay. The defense is getting better. A.J. Dillon's getting better. So I actually think Green Bay will still be a good team, but they might be one of those teams that's like a lot of running, a lot of defense, and they don't really need Aaron Rodgers to to put up MVP caliber numbers anyway. Yeah, exactly. They're still going to be a really good team. And right, they they probably won't have to throw as much this year. Yeah. and. You look at, I got some numbers for it, you know, just to kind of drive the point home. Last two years, 9.5 yards per attempt targeting Devontae Adams, 7.8 targeting everyone else. Now, you, you say that's a little higher because you're taking a lot of wide receiver targets away. So, but even if you like, that's a 1.7 difference. Even if you put like a league average wide receiver, you're still talking about over one yard per attempt different. And then, the touchdown rate, 9.5% uh, per target to Adams, 7.9% to everyone else. So for people out there counting at home, that's about a 10 touchdown difference for 600 attempts if you go from 9.5 to 7.9. And that's before yeah. you know factoring in just regression of him putting up these MVP-like numbers anyway. So uh, I think you could see a lot more of a pedestrian, efficient but pedestrian year uh, from Rodgers this year. Yeah. All right. The the big question, I guess, is how are you projecting the receiving core? Like, who do you who do you have is like how do you rank? I guess the receivers in terms of the target projections right now. So I am ranking Alan Lazard as Aaron Rodgers' top 
target this year, uh, which is why I love him at his ADP of wide receiver 46. It's creeping up. Like I was able to get him outside the top 50 for the past mm-hmm. month or so, but it's creeping up. I mean, it should be closer to the top 40. Um, so he's, he's sort of like the Mike Williams last year where I'm just, just hammering him away at him like in all my drafts. Uh, but eventually his ADP is going to catch up. But if you think about it, I mean, he already has chemistry with uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, a rookie like um, Christian Watson, a free agent like Sammy Watkins. They're going to have to build that chemistry with him. So Lazard has that going for him. He has 10 plus touchdown upside uh, this year. You know, he's, someone's going to have to catch touchdowns uh, with Devonte Adams gone. And you, we have to remember Alan Lazard's only 26 years old. So he's smack dab in the middle of his prime. Um, so he's not the most talented wideout, like I'll admit that, but he's just in a good position this year to benefit from Adams leaving. So, um, you know, I'm projecting him. He's right now, he's my wide receiver 40. Uh, so right now he's, he's the top wideout in terms of just draft value. Yeah, it's, I kind of go back and forth on Lazard. Like I certainly see your point. I think he's the most likely guy as of now to be the number one guy, but his targets per route run last year, um, was 14%. Uh, it was 17% the, the two years prior. Yeah. Uh, like, how do you foresee him kind of dealing with the, a little more attention? Because that's what I worry about, because he's not a big separator. Um, I think, you know, he's kind of like the dirty work guy who I think he really benefited from Rodgers targeting Adams like once out of every three times, because it was like everyone else is getting single coverage. So, like, Lazard was getting high-quality targets. Um, but now I, just, I, I could see, like, defenses – especially if, if he has like a big game or two early on defense is kind of adjusting quickly to him and making somebody else beat you. So, I mean, how do you, how, do you put kind of put any stock into that targets per route run? Or are you kind of bumping them up into like that 20 plus percent wide receiver one range? No, that that's a fair point. And I mean, to be honest, his targets per route run was low last year because he was running routes alongside Devontae yeah. Adams. But <laughs> like you said, the defenses, you know, that, he might get off to a hot start and defenses might counter that by doubling him or just putting mm-hmm. pressure on him. So similar to Mike Williams last year, if he gets off to a hot start, maybe I'll consider trading him this time <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because that, that, that is possible. Like I, I will admit that he is sort of a scheme guy. He's, he's not going to really beat people himself. Yeah. But then again, Aaron Rodgers is going to force the issue. So, you know, you can go either way, but yeah, the, the more attention he's going to get, he's not going to be able to overcome that through talent alone. So he does rely on the scheme. So that, that would worry me of like a second half slump if he does get off to hot start, but I think he will get off to hot start. And uh, I got one more Lazard question. Cause I, I want people to kind of um, you know, if they're listening to this a little further down to, to still derive value from it right now, he's the most expensive Packer wide receiver. Yep. His ADP is wide receiver 46 uh, and half PPR in the fantasy pros consensus. Um, what is kind of your cap? Like, how high would you go in drafting Lazard before you're, you're passing one? Um, right now, I would say, you know, wide receiver 42. That's about, okay. you know, even with my rank. So it was fun drafting him when he was wide receiver 55. And I love getting him in that range of the draft because yeah. there are a lot of question marks. Um, and for somebody that he's not a sexy pick, like I said, he doesn't have, you know, blazing speed or anything like that. So he does have high upside for his lack of talent, I should say. Uh, but once you get into the top 40, you know, you're going to be having to not take guys with massive talent, massive upside as well. So I think 42 would probably be my cap. And like I said, the ADP is really catching up. So at 46, you know, a lot of that value is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. But I still think he has that, you know, touchdown upside that I do like to get 
in that range. What about you? Like, are, are you interested in him uh, once he gets inside of the top 50 or are you kind of backing off? I think he's, I mean, wide receiver 46 is kind of where I have him. I just, I, so my thing with the projecting the season long outlooks for these guys, and obviously we'll talk about the rest of the receivers in a second, but it's, I think week one, Alan Lazard will probably be in my top 40, maybe even. Yeah. But I could see by season's end, he could be in the 60s or 70s. Like I, it's harder to project out with these guys because because you have two young guys in, in Watson and, and Romeo Dubs. Is it Dubs or Dabs? I don't even know. Dabs. Dabs. Yeah, Romeo Dabs. And then uh, you have Watkins, who's kind of a wild card. You still have the, the slot guys, Cobb and Rogers. So uh, there's a lot of variability to where I don't, like I don't want to kind of conflate my early season rank with the full season rank, but I, I like what you said about maybe he's a good um kind of trade uh, a sell yeah. high guy, um you know if he starts off hot. I but, should have done that with Mike yeah. Williams last year. <laughs> should have done it. Yeah. But I mean, Mike Williams had no reason to regress like that. Like he was still well, with just, Justin Herbert and like yeah. the number two target on the team. Like you know it, that was he's just, just he's just always going to be inconsistent. <laughs> so if he's going up like that. You know, did I call him the Bitcoin of the NFL or was that somebody else? <laughs> I don't think you, I don't, somebody, I haven't heard you say it, but somebody, that's actually uh, somebody's, uh, no, somebody's like fancy value was like literally tracking the Bitcoin price. Yeah. I think it was Michael Williams. So yeah. sell him I right mean, now, I guess. Remember that heater I told you I was going on <laughs> in betting? My, my crypto was the exact opposite. It was like oh. for every dollar I made betting, I lost like a dollar in crypto. So uh, <laughs> sounds about right. Everything even. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But did uh, you did you uh, want to talk about Christian Watson at all? Like, are, yes, are you interested? That's what I'm going to next. Oh, okay, so he's, okay. he's wide receiver 63. Yeah. Um, and again, this is a, this is one where I feel like in week one we might be disappointed. I feel like mm. people that draft him might they might come out week one and he might not even be in the top three. But by the end of the season, I think he could be the most valuable. Uh, Packer receiver because I think he has the most talent out of all these guys. And I also think he's, he's a very smart player from, from everything I hear. So I, I think he's, he's going to be able to pick up the offense and kind of, you know, you have to kind of be on the same page with Rogers, which takes some time. Um, so I, I don't know if he gets off to a fast start, but I, I love the talent. I think, you know, if any, if I'm betting on anyone, especially given the price, it's probably going to be Watson. Um, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you really have nothing to lose in this range. And honestly, I was going to be interested in the first wide receiver selected by the Packers this year anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was a little bit nervous. They didn't take anybody in the first round. But when they took Watson early in the second, I thought that was a good move. You know, he has fantastic measurables. Like you said, he's talented. He's way more talented than Alan Lazard. So I could see towards the end of the season, uh, once he matures a little bit and, you know, gets used to the NFL, that's maybe the one concern I have with him is he's transitioning to the NFL from a really small school in North Dakota mm-hmm. State. So it might take him a little bit of time uh, to adjust the NFL. But once he does, I mean, having a first bout Hall of Famer under center should help. Um, so and maybe Aaron Rodgers wants to force the issue that, look, you should have been drafting a rookie wide receiver, you know, in the first couple of rounds this whole time and force the issue with them. But either way, that's the perfect range to take a guy like Watson. So while I do love Lazard and where he's being drafted, Watson's the other pack receiver. Uh, I want to take a flyer on. Whereas like, you know, Sammy Watkins is being drafted right around the same range. Um, and obviously he does have some upside if he stays healthy, but I- I'm way more interested in, you know, like an elite talent like Watson. Yeah. And wide receiver 63 uh, is 
like you said, it's a great spot to gamble because when you look at historically first round running backs and wide receivers, usually about just under about half of them are going to hit in, in fantasy and kind of provide you with, with startable value. And then when you get to the second round, it drops to about 30, maybe around 30%. So maybe one, one out of every three or so, uh, one out of every four. Um, and Watson, you know, out of, he's a second round guy and he's going pretty late. I mean, you know, Olave, I mean, it, like all the first round guys are kind of going before him and, and, and some of the second round guys as well. So uh, I really like the spot for him. Yeah. Uh, I think he, I think it, it's a very calculated high reward gamble um, where you're not, you're not really losing much if, if it doesn't work out. Sammy Watkins. I mean, I, he's, it's like, I want to write him off, but Aaron Rodgers seems to be talking him up. So I don't want to write him off completely, <laughs> but he's another guy that I could see him actually being the reverse of Watson. Cause I think those two guys are the two that might be interchangeable. I think Lazard sticks either way because they love what he does in the run blocking game. And, you know, he just does all the dirty work. And then the slot is probably going to be Cobber Rogers. I know Lazard can play it, but I think Watson and Watkins are going to kind of be competing for the same routes. So I was looking, it felt like Watkins had a horrible season last year, but I was looking at his four games before getting hurt and he averaged four catches for 64 yards per game, 20% targets per route run. Then he got hurt and then eight and he came back. And in the eight games after he came back, he dropped to just 12% targets per route runs, 1.1 catches for 13 yards a game. So clearly the injury kind of hampered him. He couldn't get on the field, even with that Ravens receiving core. But I mean, four for 64, as long as he's healthy, I think he, he could still be solid. Um, But that's the thing. He's missed 4.3 games per year since his second year in the league back in 2015. Yeah, exactly. Maybe if you're in a deeper league where you can manage your roster, like as opposed to a best ball, I'd be interested in uh, Watkins. Cause yeah, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if he excels in this offense, you could just never bank on his health. So, you know, we're hearing glowing reports on him. It's like, no shit. He's really good. But just, just, just throughout his career, maybe it's his body size or something, but he just can never stay healthy. So this, this wide receiver depth chart reminds me of the chiefs were, you know, Obviously, one, maybe two of these guys are, are going to go off. So I, I am interested in investing in them. But just the fact that Watson's being drafted right around the same time as, as Watkins, it just seems like the smarter play is just go with the younger um, you know, yeah. receiver with higher upside. But uh, it, it just, we can't take everybody on the Packers. So you, have, you have to pick your spots. Well, you actually can in best ball. Because I was going <laughs> to say, the one like a, thing. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, in redraft, I'm not, I don't really, like I said, we both don't really, we're not like too interested in Aaron Rodgers, but right. in best ball, the fact that he's down at quarterback 10, I mean, he's lower than he usually is. He's And his, his top receiver is 46, his number two and number three are 63 and 67. And then if, if you're counting his slot guys, Cobb is 107, Rodgers is 127. I mean, you can, you can pretty much stack all of the, these, like the entire receiving core without much resistance from your fellow drafters at this point, you know? So that is the way I would invest in the Packers, especially is best ball. Cause I think that's, that's that's how you kind of like get the upside um, by the discounted draft position. Yeah, exactly. And you know, best ball, you're just going for upside. And unfortunately, you know, Rogers at this point in his career, like I said, he doesn't have that same upside that he used to have, but 
by stacking, that's how you kind of elevate mm-hmm. Rogers, um, you know, upside for your team specifically. So yeah, the fact that you can get these guys super cheap does make it appealing if you're going to take Rogers to stack them with them. Yeah. Like any thoughts on any of the other guys? I know like Cobb, uh, Rogers, and Romeo Daubs are all going outside the top 100. I, I I do think Cobb or Rogers will be the starting slot receiver like all year. Like I think one of those two. Like they're they're probably not going to go big with Lazard in the slot uh, unless they really have to. Or like unless Watkins, yeah, uh, and, or Watson. Unless Watkins stays healthy and or Watson takes off really early. Yeah, it's it's tough because between like Cobbs. Uh, Cobb Rogers and Dobbs. Jesus, that's a tongue twister. I mean, they're going to be kind of competing with each other. So that's that's a tough call. And yeah. I, I liked Rogers heading into Amari Rogers. That is heading into last year. He's a third round prospect. Um, could be a good slot receiver. But you know, Randall Cobb's there, and Aaron Rodgers loves Randall Cobb. So I, I'm probably avoiding those guys. They don't really have the upside uh, as the other three we talked about. You know, Lazard, <laughs> Watson, and Watkins. Um, so I'm staying away from those guys. Those are guys that monitor in season if there is an injury uh, to one of the top three, but they're kind of competing with each other. All right, let's move on to the tight ends. Robert Tunyon is actually being drafted as the tight end 15, which seems high for a guy who's coming off a, a serious injury to his knee and signed a one-year deal, $1 million guaranteed. And from the reports I'm hearing out of camp, he may not be ready by the start of the season, remember he, he got hurt in the middle of last year. So uh, to kind of come a year would be kind of around mid season. And, you know, even if it was like a 49, 50 week recovery, it would still, he would still miss a month or so. So he, he could be a PUP candidate to start the year. So tight end 15 seems a little rich for, for Tunyon, especially since he wasn't really good last year. Uh, anyway, but what do you think of Tunyon here? Yeah, tight end 15 does seem a bit rich. I mean, he does have double-digit touchdown upside uh, with Devontae Adams gone. But like you said, he might not even be ready for week one. So uh, in that range, I I don't really want to target a guy um, who's just touchdown dependent. The whole tight end position general is getting a lot better in the NFL. So you get guys like Cole Komet, who doesn't have any touchdown upside, uh, Joku, Tyler Higby. I'd rather take guys like that, guys with upside. We can get you a ton of, you know, catches and yards in any given week and might score some touchdowns. But with Tunyon, he just seems like he's he's going to be purely dependent on touchdowns. Like you said, he did struggle last year. You know, even though Devontae Adams was, you know, the target hog, Tunyon wasn't great. So um, especially coming back from an ACL where he might not be ready, I'm completely off him at tight end 15. Yeah, and with these kind of players, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, that was the time to, to get on Tunyon when we kind of joked about it. Um, you know, but it was Jay Sternberger, yeah. like have, whoever the hell ends up being the starting tight end. Uh, we thought it would be Sternberger, me and Friedman anyway. Yeah. Uh, and it ended up being Tanya, but the, the point remains the same. Just, you know, you want the guy that Rogers is going to be targeting heavily in the red zone. Yeah. And I mean, that was two years ago. He was, he was 20, that was his age 26 season. He's a guy that was undrafted. Now he's mm-hmm. going to be 28 and coming off a serious knee injury after sucking the year before. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, I think that ship has sailed and I, you know, they have Mercedes Lewis still playing at a high level, at least blocking wise. They like DeGuara. Uh, so I, I just think that it's going to be a committee approach. I don't, I don't think you want any Packers tight end this year, but you do want Packer running backs, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Jones going RB12 in ADP, Dylan RB26. How are you kind of projecting the 
workload for Aaron Jones because RB12, you know, that's that's an RB1 here, but his, he, you know, him and Dylan were pretty neck and neck as the season wore on last year. Yeah, it's it's hard to get too excited about Aaron Jones right now at RB12 uh, because right now I have AJ Dylan getting just as many carries as Jones. Mm-hmm. And I think where, where Jones' upside is certainly is in the passing game because we've been talking about the receivers. It's kind of a yeah. shit show right now with about, without Devontae Adams. And Aaron Jones is a really good pass catching back. I mean, they can line him up as a receiver if they have to. Um, so he does have that upside, but th- this is going to be a pretty much split back committee. Uh, but they they should run a lot more this year. We, we've already talked about that. So um, I, I just don't like spending up for a guy who's really in a two-way running back committee. So I, I'm going to be more interested in investing A.J. Dillon uh, a bit later on. Yeah, uh, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Although I, I do think Jones kind of reminds me of Nick Chubb a little bit, like very efficient in somewhat of an uncomfortable committee for as high as he's going. But I think the floor is still pretty high because like you said, I think Aaron Jones has a chance to catch like five balls per game this year. Like last year he was at 3.5, but his carries went from 14.4 in 2020 to 11.4 last year. So, you know, he's for RB 12, you're, you're paying for a guy who was getting 15 touches per game last year. That's kind of low, but I, I actually think the carries stay the same in 10, 11, 12, but I think he could catch a lot more balls and uh, and be very efficient doing so and, and kind of be the beneficiary of, of some of those vacated Devontae Adams touchdowns. So it, I'm not running out to, to draft Aaron Jones, but I'm not writing him off either. Um, he had a very good season last year. They, they love him. Aaron Rodgers loves him. And yeah. I, I mean, he's pretty much got to be the offensive centerpiece. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's just a, it's not a, it's not as sexy as it was, but I don't mind it. But. Uh, Dylan, I think even with Aaron Jones, you know, potentially putting up RB one numbers, I think Dylan still could beat his RB 26 ADP. You mentioned, you know, kind of them splitting carries pretty even. He had 11 carries per game last year and two receptions. So that's 13 touches per game, uh, in the green Bay offense that really doesn't have a standout at wide receiver or tight end anymore. Uh, I'm not, I'm not opposed. He's kind of like, like Kareem Hunt was, you know, yep. those last few years where you, you just kind of, you take him and if, if Jones goes down, you get a surefire RB one, but if not, yep. he still could be uh, his ADP. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's, he's my favorite type of running back to invest in, um, in the middle round, similar to Kareem Hunt, where um, he's the tail end, the tail cheaper end of a running back by committee. And he's probably going to beat his ADP just, by being healthy, like even if Aaron Jones were to play all 17 games, like I think he could beat RB 26. So the fact that he's already going to beat that gives him a high floor. And then, like you said, if Aaron Jones misses any time, I mean, AJ Dillon's going to be a slam dunk RB one, I think in my weekly ranking. So he just has that injury upside as well. So that's, that's my favorite type of running back to invest in. Um, And he does have some pass catching upside. I mean, there was four games last year where he had four more receptions. Uh, I mean, he kind of looks and runs sort of like a Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry type, but he does have pass catching upside. So uh, I love his upside. And we have to remember that the the Packers were without David Bakhtiari for like all of last season, right? So he's, he's going to be back this year. The running game itself is something I want to invest in. I think the best way to do it is uh, through AJ Dillon. Yeah. And I mean, 
if the offensive line can get healthy, I know Bakhtiari, you know, some question marks, Elton Jenkins, some question marks, mm-hmm. but PFF actually has the Packers O-line ranked number five. So that's another yeah. underrated aspect. Like, you know, you have Rodgers to kind of move the offense, even if it's not going to be as pretty as it was with Adams. You have a, a pretty solid O-line. You have a defense that should get you, you know, keep you in positive time of possession. So I think it's going to be a very lucrative offense for running backs. I mean, these, these two guys, Jones and Dylan, those are the offensive centerpieces this year. Like, yep. that, like, that's really, you know, we could argue about which receiver to take all day. But the bottom line is Matt LaFleur, I'm sure he's sitting there this, you know, right now, figuring out ways to get Jones and Dylan the ball. Yep. Uh, all right. So sleeper on the Packers. Um, I, would, I would have to go with Alan Lazard still. Um, I, I guess you could throw uh, Christian Watson in there. I just think just getting potentially Aaron Rodgers' number one target right around the, you know, ADP wide receiver 50. Uh, is this too good to pass up? So, you know, Alan Lazard, I've said I've, I have a ton of shares so far. His ADP is catching up, but I still think he's worth it. Uh, ADP uh, wide receiver 46. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Watson. I, I think, you know, just you want to take stabs at those rounds one and two um, skill players, wide receivers, uh, running backs. And uh, Watson fits the mold. He could end the year as the number one. And uh, he's got a lot of talent. And they traded up for him. So, you know, they, you know, I think – could be maybe a Mon Ross St. Brown kind of situation, maybe a slow start, but I think there's going to be a point in this year where you're going to really benefit from having Watson on the roster. And I, I'll throw Dylan in there as a sleeper, just because like yeah. you said, yep. uh, I mean, this guy's one Aaron Jones injury away from going completely off. So uh, uh, yeah, Watson and, and Dylan for me, what about bust? Uh, have to go with Robert Tanya yeah. just based on his <laughs> ADP. I mean, he's being drafted as a high end tight end too, where, yeah, obviously he has touch on upside, but he might he might not be ready for week one. Uh, the weeks where he doesn't score a touchdown, what's he going to provide you? Three catches for thirty yards? No, thank you. I I'd rather take chances on you know other guys in that range. This seems like a weird year where I feel like nobody's really properly discounting the potential missed games for a lot of different players mm-hmm. in ADP, like. Tunyon is one of them. Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, uh, even DeAndre Hopkins, who's yeah. you know, got the suspension is going too high. I just feel like, I don't know if it's because it's early still or, or what, but it just seems odd to me that so many players that uh, are going to, you know, have a likelihood of missing time are, are not really getting properly discounted uh, at this point. So, and I guess this is a good time. Someone asked us on Twitter. It's a good mm-hmm. question. Just about ADP in general. And just, it's so rough this time of year because every site has a different ADP. Yeah. So we're just giving a rough estimate. At the end of the day, we're drafting based on our rankings. So the ADP can change. Uh, but ultimately, we're just trying to give you a good idea of at the current ADP that we're using, if we would draft them or not. But we're aware that other sites, it's going to be completely different. Uh, all right, let's jump to the Minnesota Vikings who moved on from Mike Zimmer at, at head coach. So got Kevin O'Connell coming in I think that's gonna be I think that's good news for the offense you know that's an Vikings have never really had an offensive minded uh head coach in a while because Mike Zimmer's been there you know he's defense first so Kirk Cousins QB 15 um you know maybe you get some streamer value out of him to start the year Green Bay at Philly and then Detroit in the first three games um you know if you're looking for a guy to kind of pick up you know yeah, I think that's a, a solid guy. But uh, any any thoughts on Cousins uh, in, in year one in, in this new offense? 
Yeah, I think I think it's a huge positive sign for him and just everybody else in the offense. Um, you know, they're going from a defensive minded lean on the run game type of head coach to a innovative Sean McVay disciple. So um, I, I, there's a ton of fancy potential here. That's why I'm repping the Vikings hat today. Um, <laughs> and Kirk Cousins, you know, QB 15, <laughs> not going to lie. That's that's probably where he should go. Um, but like we said earlier in, in best ball, he has a ton of stacking options. So I think, you know, targeting him in best ball in that range and stacking him. Uh, with some of the receivers and tight end potentially that we're going to talk about uh, is he has a high ceiling this year. Like this offense could be a lot different this year. They could be a lot more pass heavy, more 11 personnel. So um, I'm very interested in Kirk Cousins at QB 15. Yeah. He's averaging 34 touchdowns and 10 interceptions over the past two years. And now, uh, you know, he's getting O'Connell who I think it was a really good sign that last year they get Matthew Stafford bring him in and because O'Connell was the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. in, in LA, obviously McVay is that's McVay's offense, but um, O'Connell was kind of a student of his and, you know, O'Connell helped Stafford to kind of come in and um, not miss a beat. And, and we know how that ended and Stafford put up a, a pretty solid fantasy season. I think given the weapon, I say weapon, it's really weapons because Stevens, <laughs> I don't think he's washed yet, but like just having Justin Jefferson is a, is a really yeah. Positive thing for a quarterback. I think Kirk Cousins could give you like a a Matthew Stafford like uh, mm-hmm. season where you know he ends up creeping into that you know top eleven, top ten because Cousins finished one spot behind Stafford in in points per game last year. Um, in, in terms of uh, he finished QB twelve and Stafford was QB eleven. So now he's going at QB fifteen. Um, I think there's going to be a, a lot of weeks when Kirk Cousins is going to he's going to be in that in that top ten. Um, yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, he he already has a you know high floor. He's a pocket passer, so he doesn't have you know a massive ceiling. Like he's probably not going to lead the the league in scoring. But you know, just in two QB leagues, getting him there that's that's really valuable because if he's your second quarterback, like you said, I think he does have that Stafford kind of upside, which is still very very valuable. So I, I just love where he's going, just in terms of my draft strategy. Yeah, Matt Stafford. Second in the league with 41 touchdown passes last year. Like yep. outside shot, Kirk Cousins has no less than 33 in each of the last two years. Right. Outside shot, if Thielen has another one of those massive red zone type years where yep. uh, he could he could put up that kind of number. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think we talked about him on the uh, NFC West pod with, with Cooper Cup saying, you know, if there's anyone that's going to kind of challenge Cup for that number one wide receiver spot, it's probably going to be Jefferson. 1,400 yards a year one. 1,616 last year. The touchdowns went from seven to 10. Uh, the the targets per game went from 7.8 to 9.8. I mean, what? there's nothing not to like about Justin Jefferson. No, there isn't. I, I would also add that Jamar Chase will probably give Cooper Cup a run for his money as well. Yeah. I just think getting either Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, I, I have them essentially tied in my rankings. Getting either one of those guys in the middle of round one would probably be like part of my perfect, draft strategy if you can get a mid-round pick or a mid you know picks five through eight let's say and you're able to get either one of these guys i'd be very happy with that start yeah and again just like you know you kind of translate the o'connell bringing in stafford o'connell is also there when cooper cup put up that season last year so yeah I, I just like it. I know, you know, obviously might have to learn a little bit of a, of a new offense. So that could be a detriment, but Jeff, Jefferson is just so talented. Yeah. And when you put up over 1600 a year too, and you've never put up lower than 1400 in your <laughs> career, 
I mean, yeah, I think a cup season is within the range of outcome for yeah. him this year. Uh, Thielen is a little tougher, I think, because I think I don't think anybody wants to really draft him. Like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like every year people are just waiting for him to kind of drop off a cliff. And his yard, you know, efficiency wise, it has been yards per target dropped from nine in 2018, 8.7, 8.6, 7.6 last year. But he averages over half a touchdown per game each of the last four years. Uh, and he's over 50% red zone touchdown conversion rate each of the last three years. So that's that's what usually regresses. So I'm curious as to where or how you're kind of projecting Thielen uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be turning 32. So he's definitely in the, the decline phase of his career. But like you said, he's not washed quite yet. And, you know, in his prime, he was more of a 90 to 100 catch kind of guy with maybe five to six touchdowns. So he's kind of morphed into a lower volume, but, you know, high value targets in the red zone. So I think we, we can bank on him being more of a touchdown wide out than we have in the past. So I, I'm factoring that in my model, but obviously he, he's probably not going to put up 14 touchdowns like he did a couple seasons ago, but 10 plus are certainly in the range of possibilities. So I, I kind of like him, you know, in the wide receiver 29 range, um, yeah. you know, he's going to have spike weeks, the weeks where he doesn't score a touchdown. Maybe he's not going to get you the six catches for 80 yards. Like we would hope, but in that range, like he does have bankable touch on upside. So uh, this, if you believe in the scheme, uh, helping the wideouts and tight ends and the passing game in general, um, I think Thielen's a good investment. And um, he's he's adapted his game at this point in his career. So that's why I think, you know, even at 32, he's probably got one, maybe two good seasons left in him. Yeah, I, I think he, I have no problem taking him there because uh, he's, he's just a very good player. I think, yeah, I yeah. think the scheme will be good. I, I'm bullish on Cousins. Um, and you know, it don't, so it only makes sense that, that Thielen would have another good year. He was, you know, top 15 in half PPR points per game last year, even with, you know, kind of the efficiency yeah. gaining a little bit, um, obviously because of the touchdown. So, but you're kind of paying for that, like top 15 and you're, you're getting him a wide receiver 29. So you're kind of that touchdown regression is kind of factored in, yeah. uh, at his ADP. Yeah. How many touchdowns are you projecting him for? Just curious. Uh, Pull it up. I think around eight. Yeah, I'm at eight. Yeah, so we're not going crazy. We're obviously factoring yeah. that in, and he's still uh wide receiver 23 for me. So um, but he he does have double digit touchdown upside. Yep. KJ Osborne, uh, what do you think of him? I yeah. know some 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 of the beat reporters out of Minnesota think he could uh take another step forward. He ran uh, around on 77% of the dropbacks last year, but O'Connell's offense is primarily um a three wide receiver offense. It looks like it's going to be because the, the Vikings really don't have a ton of tight ends on the roster, um, which I think they only have five in camp, which usually if you don't have six, <laughs> that usually tells me that like, you're going to be more of a truth, like three wide kind of offense. Cause if you have six, then, you know, first team has two, second team has two, third team has two. So you can practice. Um, but sometimes, you know, teams with less, uh, I kind of raised my eyebrows a little. So I think the Vikings mm-hmm. are one of those teams. So um, what do you think of Osborne? Yeah, I mean, he was a nice surprise last year. We we sort of pegged him early on. Um, and, you know, the, he's one of the guys I think that's going to get the biggest boost uh, going to this offense, uh, the scheme, because I think they will run more 11 personnel. And like you said, his his routes run rate was around 70% last year. But if he can get over 90%, like if, you know, I'm projecting the Rams, you have three receivers getting over 90%. I mean, he's going to be wide receiver four range, uh, I, I think. And, Weeks 13 through 18 last year, 
uh, he was wide, wide receiver 16. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's when he was running over 90% of routes run a game. That's because Adam Thielen was out. But if he can get that kind of usage when everyone's healthy, you know, wide receiver 78, uh, he's going to be a value there. And then he he has that baked in injury upside if Thielen or Jefferson were to go down. So uh, I love him as a value in this range. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you are a little worried about Thielen falling off, I think, you know, Osborne's a free, essentially free it, like you said, wide receiver mm-hmm. 78. So, um, and he could get, he could get that kind of Van Jefferson usage, like, yeah. like where it was like Woods, Cup, and Jefferson. That's and a good then, comp. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it's like different player, different type of player, but right, it right. actually helps Osborne <laughs> because he's going to be, he would be running 90% of routes and we would be targeted a little more because he's not just running wind sprints out there. Right. Um, he's going to do some more things short and intermediate as well. So, and he, he proved he can score touchdowns, uh, had yep. seven scores last year. So, uh, yeah, I like Osborne at wide receiver 78 not a sexy one, but one of those kind of things, you know, kind of, it can fortify the, the back end of your roster, especially in a deeper league. Irv Smith, tight end 21, um, coming back, you know, missed last year. Uh, I think he could actually beat this ADP too. I mean, if it's, if it's not Osborne, it could be Smith and it could be both um, because remember Tyler Higby also turned into like a 80, 90% routes to run mm-hmm. guy, uh, you know, for O'Connell last year without like a, a second guy. And if you look at the depth chart again, only five tight ends in camp and behind Irv Smith Jr. is Ben <laughs> Ellison, Johnny who? Munt, who, who? only blocks, uh, <laughs> Zach Davidson and seventh rounder Nick Muse. So lovely. This could be like an 86% routes run per drop back week in, week out for Irv Smith Jr. Yeah, you said he might be able to beat his uh, tight end 21 yeah. ADP. Hell yeah, he can beat that <laughs> ADP. And, you know, I loved him heading into 2021. It was so sad. It was such a depressing day when he we had his season-ending injury. Um, you know, it was a torn meniscus. It happened before the season, so he's, he appears to be 100% ready to go yeah. um, right now. Um, and they... They got rid of Tyler Conklin. So like you said, he has zero competition at tight end. I expect them to be running around over 80% of the time in a McVay-like offense. So yeah, sign me up for him at tight end 21. Um, I loved him heading into last year and I love him heading into this year. Uh, He has so much talent, so much upside, and the depth chart is wide open for him uh, to just tear it up this year. So yeah, give, give me all the Irv Smith shares at tight end 21. Yeah. And it's it's like, you know, for people that, you know, maybe are newer, um, you know, or less advanced, like routes run for tight ends is so important because there's only a few tight ends that are truly special in terms of talent and they're getting routes anyway, you know, Andrews, Mm -hmm. Kelsey, everyone else is going to come down to who can run a route on, let's say 75, 80% of the dropbacks versus, you know, 55 to 65% um, of the dropbacks. And I think Smith has that upside just looking at, the breakdowns of the routes in previous O'Connell offenses. Usually it's three wide. There's one tight end, uh, not the tight ends, not blocking a ton. Um, so yeah, that, that I mean, Irv Smith can be like a poor man's like TJ Hawkinson or a poor man's Gesicki or, you know, somebody like that. Yeah. that's going to go, you know, rounds earlier than. Yeah. And I, I mean, we have to remember throughout his career, his early career, um, he had to compete with Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Um, and there was a brief stretch where Rudolph missed like four games and Irv Smith was a top five tight end. So we've only seen brief glimpses of him without competition at tight end. He's been really, really good. So that's why I'm excited for him finally, hopefully this year uh, to break out. Yeah. I, I mean, this division in general, I find that I think there's, 
it's just an undervalued division. Obviously, we'll get to Detroit yeah. and Chicago, but I feel like this division almost every it's hard. It's a lot harder to find yeah. busts, and almost yeah. every player. I'm like, yeah, I, I like this guy at ADP. Yeah, um, which is like the exact opposite of some of the others. But um, yeah, I, I think I think you buy Irv Smith at tight end 21. If you wait on tight end, he's a great like I don't know what is, is it is it zero tight end a thing? I don't know if that's a thing, but whatever you call it. If, if you're going to wait to be the last person to take a tight end and maybe you're <laughs> going to double up uh, or you're just, you know, you need a second guy for best ball, like Irv Smith yep. absolutely could end up as a, as a TE one this year. Dalvin cook going RB four. Um, I, I think he's a guy that the only thing with, with RB four for me and Dalvin cook is I, I still think you take McCaffrey over Dalvin cook. Um, I, you know, yeah. that's not how ADP is right now, but that's the only. That's my only nitpick with Dalvin Cook. Besides that, I think think the ADP is pretty much spot on. What about you? Yeah, there's there's nothing really a nitpick with Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's elite when healthy, but he's never played more than 14 games in the season. Yeah. So he is little injury prone. Um, you know, he turns 27 this year, so probably has one more elite season left in him. I think he's gonna be really good in the scheme. They've talked about using him way more as a pass catching back. I, I think they're lining up at receiver. Uh, some some of the plays. So I think that's going to really elevate his upside. Uh, but yeah, I, you can't really fault anybody that takes Delvin Cook. But yeah, give me Christian McCaffrey ahead of him. It's crazy that his ADP is ahead of him. But yeah, like there's nothing bad to say about Delvin Cook other than maybe, you know, his his uh, he has one of the best handcuffs in the league in Alexander Madison. So the past few seasons, I haven't drafted Delvin Cook. I've had Alexander Madison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's paid off. But at the end of the day, Dalvin Cook is elite, and we're probably going to get one more really, really good season of him. Yeah, and we like the offense. You know, we like yeah, how yeah. – so um, offensive line is kind of average. But, uh, yeah, I can't – there's nothing wrong with getting Dalvin Cook as your your first-round pick. Oh, and uh, I will say – just – sorry, r- real quick with Dalvin Cook, I forgot to mention, but he he had really bad touchdown luck last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he only scored three touchdowns on 15 rush attempts inside the five. Um, normally, you'd expect around six and a half touchdowns maybe uh, you know running back the caliber cook closer to seven eight touchdowns um so he was 3.3 touchdowns below expectations last year so uh which was the most of anybody in my model so we, we should see some touchdown positive touchdown regression uh this year from him so there, there's a lot of things to like uh with delvin cook yeah and the year before the two years prior he scored 30 combined touchdowns um <laughs> in the same amount of games give or take you know, and uh, even the year 2020, when, you know, Thielen scored 14 and Jefferson was going crazy. Uh, Cook had 17 touchdowns in that 2020 campaign. So he, he's, he's got that kind of upside. Yep. Uh, Madison RB 36. I mean, I'm guessing you like him there too, then. Well, I, I was going to say like, we've been able to get him. I want to say like outside of the top 45, the past mm-hmm. couple seasons. And let's face it. I mean, he's a true handcuff. He's not going to offer any value. Uh, as long as Dalvin Cook is healthy. So unfortunately, you know, we're maybe going to get a couple games of, and let's face it, like what, when Dalvin Cook is out, sometimes I have Alexander Madison ranked higher than I would have had Dalvin Cook just because there's no competition. When yeah. Dalvin Cook's out, it's just Madison's getting every single touch. So he sometimes he's a top free option. So he has the highest injury upside of any backup running back. But unfortunately, you know, we can't even bank on him getting more than a couple games uh, any given season. So just RB36, you're still seeing guys that have the potential to be a bell cow back in that range. So RB36 seems pretty rich. And I I love stashing, you know, backup running backs, uh, try to, you know, hit on the upside. But just 
this range seems a little bit too rich for me this year. Yeah, I'd take him if, as long as he drops past that. I think because yeah. then you're talking about an RB four versus essentially an RB three, right? Um, so I don't mind it just because you know it's kind of an anti fragile thing where you know somebody's going to draft Dalvin Cook in the top five right. probably, <laughs> and then you know he's never played more than fourteen games. Madison's gone completely off. Like last year, he had uh, a thirty two touch. A 171 yard game, a 32 touch, 153 yard game, a 25 touch, 124 yard game. Uh, so, like, yeah, you know, that's I, I'm willing to pay that for for my running back four. Just you know, yeah, that's that's a good point. If he's your running back four, absolutely. But if you're doing like the zero RB approach and yeah. he's your RB two, that's a bit dicey. I think in this range, you definitely want a guy like Cream Hunt. Or like, um, you know, like a Cordero Patterson is going around this range. You just need somebody to get points. But like you said, like if he's your RB4, absolutely. Like he's amazing to have like as your, you know, on your bench or in best ball, something like that. But just I would not want him to be my RB2. That's for sure. Uh, all right. Sweeper, who you got? Oh, for uh, man, like everybody. I just love everybody <laughs> in this offense. I would go with Irv Smith. Yeah. Just based on ADP and KG Osborne. I mean. He has probably the highest floor of anybody in that wide receiver 80 range, and he has a high ceiling. So um, it's it's such a tie between those two guys. Yeah, same, same here. Uh, what about any any busts? <laughs> no one. Like, like you said, this this whole division is great. I feel like everybody's affordable ADP. Um, and maybe Alexander Madison, just because you can't guarantee that he's gonna have those spiked weeks, it, it does require a Dalvin Cook injury. So yeah, maybe just based on ADP, Madison is the most expensive, but certainly in certain situations, like he's going to be worth it because he has top five upside when Cook does miss time. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's probably Madison. All right, let's go to Detroit. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like Detroit's going to be a pretty competent offense this year. I don't, and I don't I, know if people kind of realize it. Thank you. Thank you. Because I, I thought I was going to have to defend myself by saying that same thing. <laughs> no, I mean, so they have, I mean, you, you can tell me what you like about them, but for me, it's, you know, the, they have an offensive line when healthy PFF ranks them number three heading into the year. Decker, Jackson, Ragnow, uh, oh. Vitae and Sewell. That's, that's a, that one, you know, everyone across that line, you can't really poke any holes in that. And uh, they, they have Amon Ross St. Brown entering year two. DJ Chark is an upgrade on, on Reynolds. And those those guys are just going to be biding time until Jamison Williams, a very talented yes. guy, gets back. And then you still have Hawkinson coming back. You have DeAndre Swift, who now gets a good O-line because last year they ranked 20th in run blocking because everyone was hurt. Uh, and, you, and you have a quality back with Jamal Williams. And Jared Goff has kind of shown us that he can be competent when he has protection and weapons. Yeah, I, I was going to say the only problem with the offense is probably the quarterback, but everywhere else is loaded. Um, so I hate to say it, but, you know, Jared Goff at QB 27 seems like a good price because he's he's probably the only he's the last quarterback where you can draft or you can safely pencil him in for at least 15 starts as long as he stays healthy. So um, I just love the talent around him. As long as everybody stays healthy, you have arguably one of the best pass catching backs in the league. Um, TJ Hawkinson, Amon Rossi Brown. Uh, I love how they brought in DJ Chark and Jamison Williams in case Jared Goff does want to throw the ball downfield. Uh, he'll have options this year. So um, I, I probably, yeah, I'm going to target everybody else in this offense, but 
Jared Goff at QB 27 is, is pretty, pretty good uh, in the later rounds of the draft. If, if you want like a third quarterback in best ball or, you know, your two QB super flex league, like I do like Jared Goff at his ADP. I actually think Jared Goff is a second quarterback in the best ball. I think that's his upside because yeah. you wait, right? And, and so instead of, instead of going like drafting one of those guys in the mid-range, like rounds earlier, you essentially are one of the last people to draft your QB two and you still getting like, I think the Lions are going to be putting up like mid twenties points per game this year. Like I, cause like Jared Goff has been fine. Like we've seen Jared Goff in the Rams offense when he had a good old line and like good receivers. Like he was fine. He wasn't amazing, but he was fine. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's really how you take advantage of the QB 27 ADP for Goff is mm-hmm. you, you take him as your QB two. Um, yep. St. Brown. I'm, I'm like the splits here are crazy. So <laughs> it's like Hawk and a lot of it coincided with Hawkinson going down, but he also got a lot better as the year progressed weeks one to 12. He was 80th out of 102 receivers in, in PFF receiving grade. And you know, he, you, that kind of, it kind of backs it up. We were like, Oh, is this, we liked him as a sleeper. Is he going to hit? We didn't know a lot of, you know, he wasn't really making a huge impact, but then weeks 13 and eight to 18, eighth yep. in PFF receiving grade. And uh, if you just take out his first three weeks, even from week four on, he averaged 8.6 targets, 6.7 catches, 67 yards per game and 0.4 touchdowns. That is 13.6 half PPR points per game. That puts him at wide receiver 13, a couple of tenths of a point behind Stefan Diggs. Yeah, uh, he's very tricky to project this year because like you alluded to, I mean, I feel like anytime we mention sleepers, we mentioned him like towards the end of the draft. We, we liked him. We love the landing spot. Uh, but the end of last season was just absolutely insane. You mentioned, you know, weeks 13 through 18, he was eighth in PFF grade. Who cares about that? He was number two in fantasy football, yeah. only behind Cooper Cup. So, I mean, he obviously has that upside. Um, but we have to remember that they, they were without DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson for most of that time. So his target rate per route run went through the roof. It was 32%. Almost every single week, it was over 30%, and it was 22% um, across the entire season. So, unfortunately, you know, a Swift back, Hawkinson back with Chark added to the mix, Jamison Williams, once he's healthy, there is going to be way more competition um, for targets. So, I guess in order to really like him at ADP, you have to think that Jared Goff is going to, you know, take it to the next level, and there's going to be more yards to go around, uh, which you seem to think. So, I do. He, he's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, it seems like, we're paying up a little bit too much for the end of season stretch, but he is still in a good spot. And, you know, Jared Goff, he doesn't like to throw it downfield. So just because they have Chark and Jamison Williams running go routes doesn't mean he's going to target them. It could mean that Amaran St. Brown has more space <laughs> over the middle of the field. So, yeah, it's a tough call. He's my wide receiver 32 now just because you do have to factor in, you know, the target regression just a bit. And he's, he's probably not going to be more than a five, six touchdown kind of guy. Um, so that's why I'm a little bit lower on him, but obviously he has that baked in upside if, if guys start to go down. Yeah. Well, that's why I kind of talked about the PFF grade. Cause obviously, you know, with, yeah. with, with all the targets <laughs> vacated. Yeah. He put up great fantasy numbers. We know that, but it, like the eye test, it kind of confirms the eye test. Yeah. Like he, on a on higher volume, he got better. And as a rookie, you always want to see a guy like improve, you know, heading into year two, which is when they take bigger leaps. So like, I'm actually buying St. Brown at wide receiver 26. Cause like, I think, I think there's like an outside chance. He just goes completely like Odell Beckham in year two, like, just like, just like he's the guy, like 
it doesn't matter who else is there. It's like he's getting the, the 10 targets every game from Jared. They, like I, he's the Cooper Cup. He's like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. he's just so like I'm wide receiver 20. Like, I feel like the floor is still high enough where like what's gonna happen? He's just gonna get five catches for 60 yards instead of six catches for 80 <laughs> yards. Right. Like, you know, I, I feel like the floor is high enough for me to to still take that chance because I I think I don't think we've seen the best of, of St. Brown yet necessarily. Like I, I think he's just a really good football player. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of referencing him as sort of the Cooper cup in this offense before the Cooper cup eruption last yeah. year, but that's the guy that's the kind of guy that Goff does like to target. Um, but how about towards the end of the year, they were starting to give him some uh, carries too. So like, yep. Sort of a Debo cup hybrid, which yeah, I mean, sounds like exactly. the, the most amazing football player ever, but he had a rushing touchdown. Uh, they gave him a carry and, what five of the last six games. So, I mean, they're going to give him the ball one way or another. So yeah, I, I still love his upside. I'm just, there's so many mouths to feed in this offense that unless you're projecting Goffer over what, 260 yards a game, it's really hard to, to give targets to everybody. So that's yeah. slight dip. I hate to put cold water on it, but just slight dip in his targets this year. I just would have, I mean, this is a, I guess it was a bold take, but I wouldn't be surprised if like we're entering like week four and it's like, it just like, Oh, Who's who's like our number wide receiver five? Oh, it's Amon Ross St. Brown, like oh, kind of like, like Debo last year. Or remember like, Keenan Allen when he kind of snuck into that top yeah. five for the oh, first well, time Allen's back in the day? A, a legend. But I'm saying like, yeah. so we get to so Sean, who's your QB five? And I'm like Stephon Diggs, of course. <laughs> and you're like, you'll never guess who mine is. <laughs> yeah. It's Amon Ross St. Yeah. Brown. I'm like holy, I can see shit. that. I'm just saying outside shot. That's all I'm saying. Like I could be dead wrong. <laughs> yeah. I still feel like the floor is high, even if I'm dead wrong about him having a great ceiling, but. I really see an outside shot for him. To, I yeah, just I'm think trying, he's good. That good. We were, yeah, we were projecting him as a wide receiver one towards the end of last yeah. year, right? I'm trying. I mean, yeah, to, he was the wide receiver too. I, I would hope. Well, <laughs> I there's mean, for like the last like, six weeks. Yeah, like how they're doing and like how we're actually yeah. ranking them is a little bit different. But yeah, I I just remember having his his targets through the roof. So yeah, I would not be surprised. You're probably going to force that uh, <laughs> by week three just to say I told you so. But yeah, I, I can definitely see it. Uh. Chark is going wide receiver 60. He's tough because I feel like once Williams comes back, it's, yeah. he's kind of going to be the odd man out. Um, but i just give you an interesting stat. Essentially, DJ Chark, in his best year, 2019, he had 73 catches, and he forced 11 missed tackles. And he has not forced a missed tackle since on 60 wow. catches. So I, I, it's, not, it's not like a yak guy where like you're like, oh my God, he's falling off because he's not forced to miss tackles. But I just thought that was kind of illustrative of why he's been disappointing since. Like he's, he hasn't made anybody miss in the last two years. <laughs> That's interesting. And yeah, like going to this Lions offense, I mean, he's going to be the downfield threat. I, I just don't see how he sees a ton of targets because Jared Goff, you know, he ranked 18th in pass attempts last year. He ranked 26 in pass attempts, 20 plus yards downfield. Now you could say that he didn't really have a deep threat last year. Uh, and that might be true, but he just doesn't seem like the guy that's going to really target Chark a whole lot. So I think Chark might open up things for the other guys rather than, you know, Chark being a valiant himself. Mm -hmm. and like you said, once Jamison Williams comes back, I, I think I like DJ Chark as a talent, but Jamison Williams is on a whole other level. So um, unfortunately, Chark's going to be sort of on borrowed time until Williams comes back. So if, if anything, you're going to get value from Chark early in the season, but he's not going to like, that's the time of year. It's easy to get <laughs> value uh, from your wide receiver. So I'm off on Chark at wide receiver, wide receiver 60. He's one of the reasons I do like Goff heading into the season, yeah. but Chark himself, like just 
based on this landing spot, it, it's probably not good for him. Yeah. Would you take a shot on Williams at, at 62 or it's, it's hard to kind of factor in. We don't really know exactly when he'll be back. Yeah. It's, it's just hard to know when he'll be back. And again, I wasn't really thrilled about the landing spot. There's already a ton of, uh, you know, weapons in this offense. Like it's going to be hard for him to get targets and it's going to depend on Jared Goff deciding to throw it deep. Cause I think, you know, Williams is going to be sort of a Deshaun Jackson type of deep threat. Like he's going to have spiked weeks, but just, it's really hard to take him, especially not knowing if he'll like when if when would you guess he's going to be ready by week six? Yeah, I would. Like, I, I mean, I could see him starting on the PUP and missing about six games. Yeah. Um, but so I, I'm yeah, I'm guessing about 10 games, eight to 10. I think eight to 10 games of uh, of the season. Brutal. I think he'll be there. Yeah. But I mean, he's very talented guy. So, yeah, uh, if he's dropping, you know, He's he's low enough where I guess he's what he'd be your wide receiver five, um, you know if you can get him and then get like a high floor guy like a KJ Osborne maybe or maybe you draft Williams and Shark and then you just kind of do it that way. But... Oh God, yeah. <laughs> no, I like I like the I like the Williams Osborne. Yeah, yeah. You can kind yeah. of you can kind of finesse it, especially if you have an IR slot, so you're not really wasting a bench yeah. slot. Um, that's because I don't like wasting bench slots. Period. I, I want to use them on running backs and things like that. But um, again, I think. These first and second round rookies, you're going to get hits out of these guys. So you want exposure yeah. and, and, and the guy's talented. So um, I'm not completely off him, um, but I think if you have an IR spot, that's, that's when you take Absolutely. Uh, advantage of him. Uh, Hawkinson, uh, talk about a guy. First two weeks of the season, he averaged uh, <laughs> uh, nearly 11 targets per game, 82 yards, 1.5 touchdowns, 22.4 half PPR points per game. Then the rest of the year, 6.9 targets, 4.6 catches, 42 yards, 0.2 touchdowns, 7.7 half PPR points. Uh, that So his week three on pace would have put him at tight end 16 right behind Tyler Higby. So, I mean, he's going tight end six. He might actually be the guy that gets squeezed a little bit with all these receivers at, and Swift healthy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm off of him at tight end six. Last year, I was all over him at tight end six. Because, you know, I just thought he was going to be a target monster. He's still an elite talent, sort of entering his prime. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, after he tailed off last year, um, it's clear that this is Amon Ra St. Brown's offense. Um, so I'm probably going to stay away from Hawkinson at tight end six. That's just way too high. And that's really when the tier opens up. Or really tight end six to tight end like 14. I have within like five points of each other. So I, I usually don't target the top of a tier. I target the bottom of a tier. So. Um, I am completely off Hawkinson at tight end six. I think that's just way too high. Um, and yeah, he, he's probably the guy that's probably going to take the biggest tip from, you know, so many weapons in this offense. Yeah. Uh, Swift RB 11. Uh, what do you think of him there? Yeah, I, I like that. Like he, he has top five upside if he can stay healthy. Um, I mean, it, Jamal Williams factored in a lot more than I anticipated last year. Like, let's be honest. He does cap his upside a bit. But still, Swift is going to see just as much work as possible in the receiving game, which is good because, you know, we expect the Lions to be trailing most of the time. So that's, you know, that's going to be a very valuable role on a team like this. So I love Swift's upside, especially, you know, you get him at the end of the RB1 tier. Um, I'm all for that. And just fingers crossed that he can actually stay healthy this year. Yeah. Again, number three O-line projected uh, by yeah. PFF, you know, good quality starters all the way across the line um, had 11 games with 51 or fewer rushing yards, two with 130 plus. And 
still had 100 plus scrimmage yards in six out of the 13. So like he, you know, like his median could be close to 100 scrimmage yards. Um, And I I think Williams actually, I think Williams is going to is not going to cap his upside this year because 11 games with Swift, he still averaged uh, 10.8 carries last year. Um, But I think I think this Lions team is going to be like a, a pass heavy shootout team this year. Like I, I, I think Goff is going to be around that 260 yards. And I think Will, I think you're just going to see less running because now you have they clearly wanted to upgrade the passing game. And I think a lot of the product of like Williams getting double digit touches and, you know, they've using all these running backs and Craig Reynolds. <laughs> and like I think that was a product of, you know, they just couldn't. They couldn't stick with teams if they had to throw it. But this year, I think they can. And, and their defense is still yeah. not going to be good. So, yeah. I think, and last, yeah. Yeah. And last, don't talk shit about Craig Reynolds, by the way. And last year, <laughs> like it, he had a lost season because his season was essentially over after week 12 because they, they brought him back the past couple of games, gave him a few touches. So his season was essentially over in week 12. But wasn't he like dealing with an ankle injury or something earlier in the season? I remember you fading him early in the season. So what was it? The first three or four weeks he was, yeah. um, you know, questionable with an ankle injury or something like that. So yeah, he was into really year. Like, yeah. Yeah. So he was only really healthy for maybe five to six games last year. Yeah. So yeah. Like Swift to RB 11 Williams, Williams is probably the guy. I think, I think you're probably a year late trying to trying to yeah. <laughs> recapture that with Williams, even at RB 51. Um, Cause even if I don't even think he's like the handcuff necessary, if they keep Reynolds on the roster, if yeah. they don't keep Reynolds on the roster, um, then maybe I, I'd like him a little more. But if they do, I think Reynolds is actually the better runner. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'm off Williams uh, this year unless Reynolds gets cut. Uh, sleepers bust on the Lions. Who you got? Uh, I think the, the sleeper just has to be Jared Goff just because there's so many weapons in this offense. And I kind of like your idea. Just if you're, you're in a best ball format, make him your QB too, and you can get him super cheap. Um, so obviously his upside is limited, but if, if this offense is as pass heavy and exciting as you and I think it could be, uh, Jared Goff would be a steal at QB 27. Uh, yeah, I like love Goff. And I mean, I know you disagree, but I, I think I'm on Ross St. Brown. I think, I, I think, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I think not, he has, I think he has top 10 him. upside. Like, yeah. I, I really do. Even, even with the additions, I, I think he does. So no, I, I definitely, I can, I can support you in this. Like my rank, my rank is lower than you, but I, I don't think you're crazy for, for being high on him. What about bus? Uh, pro- oh man. Like all these guys are pretty cheap. Maybe TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe honestly, maybe DJ Chark, just because in that range, there's so many guys with massive upside in that wide receiver 60 range. And like we said, like his his upside's capped because when Jamison Williams, you know, returns in say week six or eight, um, it's gonna be really tough for Chark to see uh, you know, those deep balls or just enough targets really put up value. So even though he's he's going super late, you know, wide receiver 60, you're still passing up on some guys with like massive upside. So maybe. Chark, uh, along with Hawkinson for me. Yeah, I think uh, Hawkinson just not doesn't really fit in the strategy for me either um, in terms of tight end six. And I would even say Jamal Williams because I'm concerned about the efficiency, first of all. Um, you know, he had a, a career low in yards per catch last uh, year at 6.0. Uh, he finished below four yards per carry for the third time in his five seasons, and he's turning 27. And I think, I think Reynolds, even if Reynolds doesn't make the roster, I think if Swift went down, they may call Reynolds up or, you know, yeah. from, from the practice squad if he's back on there. So 
um, yeah, those two guys for me, let's do the bears. You can go a little quicker with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess, where are you, where are you on Justin Fields? He's going as QB 18, uh, in ADP. Yeah. I mean, he was, let's face it. He was disappointing, uh, as a rookie, mainly as a passer. Obviously he has the rushing upside. I still remember his debut when we, we set his projection around like 220 passing yards and uh, the books had him at like 180 or just hammering the shove. And he threw for what, 68 yards. So uh, we had to adjust pretty quickly there, but he did show signs of life towards the mm-hmm. end of the season. Uh, weeks 14 and 15, he was QB nine. I think once the bears started to move around the pocket a little bit more, like when he's running um, and scrambling, like he's, he's, Obviously good as a runner, but also good as a passer. So hopefully the new scheme um, under Luke Getzky, who's coming over from the Packers, uh, helps him a little bit. So uh, I'm still buying into fields, his upside. Um, If you're in a one QB league, he's the kind of guy that you like to stash on your bench because he has league winning upside. But if you're in two QB league, he still does have a pretty low floor. Um, He's going to have to make a significant year two leap, I think. Um, But just you can't pass up this rushing upside that he has. So. Uh, he's still he's still a pretty good value in that, you know, QB 18 range. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking him all day at QB 18, like for two reasons. Number one, and it's well, three reasons. Matt, one is Matt Nagy's gone. But yeah, that first, helps. Yeah. And his first six, you know, full starts, he averaged 24 pass attempts. So, you know, they kind of had the kick gloves on him. Only 154 passing yards per game, half a passing touchdown per game. Uh, then his last three full starts. So not counting the game he left, um, but his last three. He jumped to 34 attempts per game, so like all closer to the league average. Averaged 267 passing yards per game and 1.3 touchdowns. Still not great, but um, solid enough when you're adding in rushing uh, production. And, I mean, this Bears defense, I don't think it's going to be very good this year. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not, not to the extent like the Lions, because I think the Lions actually have a lot of good pieces everywhere. The Bears don't have the same kind of line or the, or the skill players, but – um, I still think Fields is going to be in a lot of trailing game scripts to where he gets the passing numbers to respectable places. Yeah. Um, and then he gives you the rushing upside. So yeah, QB 18, I think he can smash that. Yeah. It's just, it's a shame, you know, shame on the bears for not really building around him because we've talked about this before, but you know, they lost Allen Robinson and, you know, they bring in Byron Pringle to be the wide receiver oh. too. And then they draft Vilas Jones, which was a bit of a head scratcher. So they didn't really give, Justin Fields much to work with this year. So, you know, my knock on him isn't really him specifically. It's just like the team building strategy around him heading into this year anyway has not been good. So if anything, maybe that's going to force him to run a bit more if he doesn't have wide receivers separating. So, um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate for him that they didn't really, you know, build for 2022 uh, for him. But, uh, yeah, just love is upside. So I, I can get behind him at QB 18. The most egregious thing. <laughs> it, it, about the, the the building around him is not even the Byron Pringle. Ooh. It's it's the fact that every projected depth chart and every report I read, Equinemius St. Brown is running with the starters. Like, oh my God. You like, how do you kidding. replace Allen Robinson with Equinemius St. Brown? Like, it's that just, is brutal. It's like, like, in what world is this dude? St- I know Luke Getzi's from the Packers and Equinemius yeah, is from true. the Packers. But like this, like, in what world is Equinemius St. Brown uh, like a starting caliber receiver? Um, but I, I do like Darnell Mooney at wide receiver 32, though. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I love him. At, he's 
going to be a target hog in this offense. Like we just said, you know, the wide receiver depth chart is the worst in the league, uh, especially behind Mooney. So um, love Mooney this year. He's wide receiver 32, so you can get him pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I'm worried with opposing defenses can double team him scheme to slow him down, but he's still good enough. Uh, I, I believe in him. And, you know, the, the only other concern, I guess, is he had 400 plus receiving yard games last year and three of them were with Andy Dalton. So yeah. maybe with Justin Fields scrambling a lot more, that does sort of cap his upside. But at the end of the day, who the hell else is he going to throw to other than Mooney and Matt, really? So uh, just Mooney is just really high floor guy, high ceiling guy, too. He can, uh, you know, be a deep threat. So love getting Mooney sort of in that wide receiver 32 range. Yeah, and I was worried a little bit about kind of to your point about without Robinson there, defenses are going to be able to kind of, focus in on Mooney, but I looked at the five games that he played without Allen Robinson last year. He averaged 9.6 targets, 5.2 catches, 78 yards per game. Uh, So that's very good. I know it's a small sample, obviously (laughs) five games, but that's all we have to go off of. And I mean, especially considering how feeble that, you know, the quarterback situation was last year and, you know, for him to put up nearly 10 targets a game and nearly 80 yards a game, in five games without Robinson in that offense last year, yep. uh, entering year three, I think that's that's all I need to hear. For give me a, a team's wide receiver one at at thirty two all day. Like yeah, no, I, I remember projecting him last year um, when Allen Robinson was out. Like his projections on him all were through the roof. Yeah, and you know we kind of do that where a guy's like through the roof and we're kind of like pushing him down. You know, you're packing up your luggage and you're trying to squeeze it on. <laughs> like I'm push. I had to like push his projections down because I had like embarrassing rankings for him. Like he was inside my top 15 when Robinson was out. So it's just like, you're right. Like with Robinson out, maybe that does help him because like, like, like we said, who are, who else are they going to throw it to? So yeah. Like the fact that you can get him outside of the top 30 is criminal in my opinion, just based on his expected target share. So uh, yeah. Love him. His, his non a Rob pace, you know, his pace without a Rob, would have huh. put him right between C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks as a top 24 receiver. So, yeah. I believe it. Love me some Looney this year. Yep. Not even going to talk about the rest of these guys, except Thank you. I guess Cole Komet. Uh, he actually, without A-Rob in five games, seven targets, 4.4 4, 4 catches, 48 yards per game, no touchdowns. But uh, that, that pace would have still put him – that would have put him as a tight end 18. But that, like, you can't expect him to get zero touchdowns. So – uh, maybe a li- maybe a little bit of a chance to outkick his ADP by a couple of spots here, and, and finishes like a mid range tight end too, or a high end one instead of uh, the the low end one he's being drafted as. Yeah, I would say mid range uh, tight end too, and you know obviously he's not going to score zero touchdowns again this year, and it helps that Jimmy Graham is gone, so you know that's that's going to help him out considerably. But he's going to be a volume based, you know, high mid range tight end too. Uh, you know, certainly in this offense, you can't really expect more than five touchdowns from him, but I'll take a few this year. So yeah, I think he's, he's a safe, safe, higher floor kind of guy in that range uh, where you, you can't get too excited about him, but he's, you know, he's entering year three. He's only 23 years old. So he's definitely due for a breakout season and, you know, his, his snaps and routes run rates should only go up with Graham out of the picture. Where are you on Montgomery? He's going as uh, RB 16. That's right where I have him. I think that's, that's a fair place to get him. Um, should see a ton of volume this year. Uh, again, this year, you know, Getsky has talked about, you know, being established the run kind of guy, but they're, they're not going to be leading enough games to really lean on that. But 
you know, Montgomery, his, his receiving upside has really uh, flourished the past couple of seasons ever since Tariq Cohen essentially went down. Montgomery's been the true workhorse. So, um, you know, he, he's going to be used even if they're trailing. He's going to see that receiving usage. So love Montgomery. His upside's pretty limited. I mean, he's not a home run threat. He's not going to really score double digit touchdowns, but just he's going to be a reliable guy in that sort of frozen pond here where, you know, he's going to be the man. So um, I'm right in line with his ADP at RB 16. Yeah. I uh, love the usage, hate the O-line. Um, oh, so yeah. RB 16 seems fair. Uh, <laughs> all right. Sleepers and busts. Oh man. The, the sleeper has to be Darnell Mooney. You got me all excited. Oh yeah. Uh, love it. Post Allen Robinson, his upside is just immense. So it's, it's gotta be Mooney. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say fields as well. I think QB 18, like we're always talking about these riding quarterbacks we, he, he improved down the stretch on higher volume. The defense is going to be bad. Um, so, yeah, like Fields as well. Um, bust, I mean, there's no <laughs> one we're really thinking about drafting outside of those guys to even call. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think Montgomery's right. Uh, I wouldn't touch Jones or – oh well, maybe – I mean, jo- Jones went in round two or round three. It was round three, right? Round three, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that, that knocks his, like, chances of hitting down a lot, just statistically speaking. He's more like a Jakeem Grant. So, yeah, I wouldn't touch any of these other receivers, I don't think, outside of uh, <laughs> outside of Mooney and Komet. And even Komet, that's, you know, that's just too tight end. So, yeah, I just, no real bust, but. Um, yeah, just, the, bus, the bust would be anybody outside of Fields, Montgomery, Mooney, and Komet. Yeah. Um, and Killer Herbert is probably a good handcuff back because mm-hmm. whenever Montgomery goes down, he's going to be the workhorse back. So the, the real, there really isn't a bust on this team. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah, just just don't draft Equinemius. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's gonna wrap it up. I think we went we went pretty long, but I I think it was important to kind of talk it's a about good division. this division. Yeah, this yeah. is a lot of value to be had here. Uh, but um, if you guys want to find Sean on Twitter, you can find him at the underscore oddsmaker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles in the Action Network app. Be sure to check out our episodes on the AFC and NFC West South. And now we're finished the North. Next week, we'll be back with the AFC East. And again, reminder, if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review. We'll pick out a winner to get a free year of the Action Pro Sub that includes all our weekly rankings and all that good stuff. So uh, be sure to do that. Until next time, let's get this money.